This is David Tarkington. Thank you for downloading this sermon. For more information about our church, First Baptist Church of Orange Park, and our network, the First Family Network, go to firstfam.org. You can check out my site at davidtarkington.com. So I want to take you to Luke chapter 2. It's a passage that's read often this time of year, and it's a passage that surrounded that Christmas story that we have sung about so well this morning, and we have over the last few weeks as well. Mary and Joseph have made their way already to Bethlehem, and at this point we have a change of scenery, at least from where Mary and Joseph are to, um, to these shepherds that are out in a field. So Luke chapter 2, follow me uh, either on the screen, on your tablet, your phone, or in the Bible that you brought with you, or the one in the pew in front of you. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped and swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel, with that angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's a story that you have likely heard numerous times or have seen put to music or acted out in a passion play or in a Christmas pageant, or maybe you've seen it in a film adaptation. But it is part of the Christmas story. Now, if you would, imagine you're a shepherd. Imagine you're one of those men that are there watching those sheep. If you can place yourself in that scenario, maybe living near the, the, the town of Bethlehem. You're, you're not rolling in the money. You're not on the, uh, the upper level of the caste system. You're on the lower rung of the ladder, so to speak. You're making a living, but it's not easy. And your job is not that exciting unless a, a sheep is attacked by an animal or runs away and you've got to go catch him. And so it's pretty much routine, day in and day out. Now let's just presume that you are a faithful Jewish young man or, and you're there and you're watching these sheep and, and during the evening and you're ensuring that no animals, no wolves or enemies come to bring them harm. And tonight... At least what you expected would be just like any other night. There's not a lot of, uh, uh, well, there's a lot of redundancy apparently in the role and in the job. But today's a little different. It changes. It's different than often. You and the other shepherds are talking. You're sharing stories. And if it's not unlike today, uh, people gathering together and, and, and they're talking about things that are in the news. They're likely talking about politics. Maybe they're talking about sports. Maybe they're talking about what they're going to do next week or maybe what they did last week or something about their family members. And so they're talking. And if you're a typical young Jewish guy in that region, let's say you're a faithful Jewish man, and so you attend the synagogue when you can on the Sabbath, and you sit under the teaching of rabbis, and you hear the teachings of this Messiah that God has prophesied many many, many years ago that would come. And so you talk about that, but you also are having at this point in your mind the, the possibility that you might end up just like your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. You might end up being just another generation that had heard the prophecies and the stories and had taught them over and over and over again. 
And yet you will likely find yourself, just like they did, living their entire life awaiting the coming of the Messiah, but not having the great honor or privilege of being alive when that took place. And I it's not so much different than many uh, in churches today who are anticipating the second coming of our Messiah of Christ, and, and we still wait, and we wait anticipating, and we wait expectantly, but it hasn't happened yet. And I know I'm reading between the lines here, we're just kind of pretending we're there in that circumstance, but you've got to think about these Jewish people that are living in this community. They have a, a Roman army, a Roman government that is an occupying army at the time. There are military in the town or in the town of Bethlehem, in the city of Jerusalem especially, and throughout Israel. There is a puppet king named Herod who is the king of the Jews, but he's not one you would have voted for. He's not your king. That's what the bumper sticker says on the back of your sheep. So you don't like him, and your peers don't like him because he's a puppet king under the Roman rule, and he's not even a good man. He is kind of a, a self-seeking individual. In fact, from where you are in Bethlehem, you can see just in the distance a mountain that, ra that, that uh, sticks up a little higher than the rest. And on top of that mountain is a man-made mountain. On top of that mountain, it's called the Herodian. This is a palace that Herod had built because he wanted to make sure everybody remembered his name and knew that he was there and in charge. And so you are in the shadow, so to speak, of the so-called self-proclaimed king of the Jews, and you're just waiting for the Messiah to come because it's been told over and over and over. But it hasn't happened yet. This is just another day. And you're probably talking about how you wish Herod wasn't the king, and if you could get the Romans out, you would, and if you could join the army of the Messiah when he comes, you will, and you would do this, and you would do that. And there's a whole lot of bravado in that conversation, I'm sure. And then something happens. An angel appears in the sky. We read this at the Christmas time and we think, well, because we've heard it so often, it's just a common thing that took place. But it wasn't that common to see a man flying in the sky above you. That did not happen often. This was many years before flight. And so if there's some guy hanging out in the sky above you and he's speaking to you and he's, he, he likely doesn't look much like the angel on your nativity set, just to go ahead and make that out right there. He's above you, he's glowing, he's loud, he's bright, and he's talking to you and your friends. And we don't even know those shepherds' names. But that's who God chose to deliver this message to. And at the moment he appears, in all of your bravado and conversing with your friends about what you would do when the Messiah would come and how you would get rid of the Romans because if you were in charge and this, that, and the other, you have this overwhelming fear that, uh, that comes upon you at that moment. It's a fear that probably turns your skin ashen. It probably makes your jaw open wide at this moment, and you are scared to death. But fortunately, the angel says something. What does the angel say? Fear not, which at that moment, isn't that all you need to no longer be scared? You're afraid not only there's an angel talking to you, he's, you're, you're hoping he's an angel, you believe he's an angel, you see him there, but at that point, it's probably not clear yet, and you're scared to death because you think death is really going to happen right there. It's a very real possibility that you will not survive this moment, at least that's run through your mind, but fortunately, the angel says, fear not, and while we laugh about it, you and I both know that, well, I may need a little more than just two words to calm me down at that moment, but it's the beginning. You're still a bit scared. 
The announcement is made and you have just experienced a moment that was unlike any moment in the history of the world. You've experienced a moment that would be talked about for generations to come. You've experienced a moment that 2,000 plus years later in a land that you had never even knew existed, in a language that you did not know how to speak with poinsettias and, and lights and great music and a building that you can't even comprehend, we would be talking about you at that moment. That's an amazing thing to think of. This moment would change everything. And this moment in the perspective of the shepherds was totally unexpected. Of course, God expected it. God planned it. God had it all planned out. But for the shepherds' perspective, from their perspective, it was an unexpected moment. And it was a good moment. This unexpected moment was good for them. And, and the unexpected, you know, does anybody here like surprises? Anybody love surprises? I love surprises when I know they're coming. That's the kind of surprises I like. I like, you know, I like, I like planned spontaneity too. That's another thing I'm really into. But surprises don't, are not always, well, they're not always good. Sometimes we're surprised by things that aren't good. But then there are times we're surprised by things that once we, once the adrenaline settles down, once we kind of calm down, we're like, this was very good. And that's this moment. The unexpected can do a number of things in our lives. And the one thing it can do, the unexpected may scare you. It may scare you. These shepherds were scared. They were frightened. They had no idea what was coming. And in this story, the unexpected was needed. It is good. It is amazing. It's unbelievable. Yet at first, the unexpected was misunderstood. The gift isn't quite comprehended by the shepherd. It is a gift that they have been given. They have been invited into a story that they had heard about their entire life or entire lives and yet wondered if they would ever see it come to fruition. And at some point, I imagine doubt sets in every now and then. Is this ever going to happen, is a question. So at first it's misunderstood. At first it's probably not quite comprehended well, and yet it is good. But they're asking, is this a good thing that an angel appears? Are we going to die? That had to be a very real question in their mind. But he said, fear not, fear not. And there is a peace that passes, a peace that is beyond understanding, I think, that God gave those shepherds at that moment. And there is this message that you, the least expected recipients, are chosen for this great gift. Let's just go ahead and contemplate this reality, that those that we would say are the least, that we, the, the ones we would not pick on our team, right? These are the least expected, the ones that are least worthy to receive this great gift of God, receive the gift that moment. And at that reality, let this sink in, we are no different. We are the least worthy of the great gift of God that God has given us of salvation. No one here deserves heaven. No one here can be good enough. No one here has been good enough. We don't deserve the goodness and the grace that God has given us. And that is what's so unexpected when you finally realize how often and how many of our friends and family members are doing their best to be good enough. And then a lot of them just give up. I'll never be good enough, so I might as well not even try. None of us are good enough, and yet God, in his grace, has given us this opportunity to know him, just as he gave the shepherds. So the gift may be uh, frightening at first, it's unexpected, but it also may surprise you. Surprises can be incredible. We, I, I love seeing, I don't know if you do, you've probably seen these videos, uh, 
uh, of when children are in school or in a musical or at a ball game and their parents, one of their parents may be overseas deployed or on a mission and they get home early and they surprise their children. Don't you love those videos when the children are surprised and they see their parents? There's something about just, we just love watching children cry apparently. That's what, I don't know. It's a moving moment. And now, you know, we're, we're at this point now, you've, you may have seen this, you may have been to a ball game where you, you have the family that's honored, it's veterans or it's military appreciation day, and there's the family, the, the spouse and the children are on the field, and here's the big screen video of their loved one that's over, overseas and has been serving, and, uh, and it, that message is given, and oh, I'm so sorry, I can't be here today, and you know we're across the tipping point, you know right now. That if you're ever in a stadium and you see that, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking what I'm thinking. That guy's here. That lady, she's in the back. And if they don't pull that person out here and surprise them on the field, I'm going to be greatly disappointed. Because we're at that point, we just love seeing those kind of reunions. They're wonderful. Those surprises when they take place. These shepherds had an amazing unexpected, surprising gift that they did not plan to receive that day. That's kind of what makes it a surprise. That's what makes it a gift. It's a gift because they didn't earn it. It's a surprise because they didn't expect it. And lastly, on an unexpected gift, not only may it scare you, not only may it surprise you, it may just save you. It may just save you. Don't you love movies where the character is in danger or the main, one of the main characters is in great danger and then at the very last moment, the hero shows up to rescue them? It's, it's the story of, of, well, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard. It's the story of <laughs> all these Hollywood stories that have the hero that rescues the, the other characters at the last moment. They never rescue them earlier. The movie's over. It's, it's not original. It's been done. It's being done. In God's timing at the right moment, in the fullness of time, Scripture says, the hero of our story, who happens to be the author of our story, because it's not really our story, it's his story, enters into the story and becomes the Savior, is the Savior. Didn't become it, he always had been. You know, I, I read this this morning, and I tweeted it earlier, that there have been a lot of babies who, became, who, who were born as kings, but there's only been one king who chose to be born as a baby. And that's what happened in this moment. This is the gospel message. It's the greatest rescue of all, all of history. It's a surprising moment that we don't deserve, and yet when we least expect it, when we think all is lost, Christ shows up at the very right time. Rarely have I talked to an individual who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ after waking up the morning thinking, today I'm going to become a Christian. In most cases, it was a surprising moment to the individual. Now, they may have been contemplating and thinking through it. Let me, let me just tell you, you know, this is just, I got this message from Pastor Drace Earlier this week, one of our young men that uh, attends over at, at Creek Church, our Saturday campus at Swimming Pen Creek Elementary, has been attending there with his girlfriend and, his, and, and family members, her family members. And, and, and according to the message I received yesterday, by the way, this family originally attended at Island Church because they met on Sunday nights. They can't attend in the morning. Their schedule, their work schedule doesn't allow that. So, so uh, we recognize that an evening church service as a, as, a, as a copy of what we do on Sunday mornings, not in addition to, but just very similar, it is a something that God uses for those that can't make it here. We do realize many of you are going to lunch after this, and there are people right now preparing that. And because of that, they can't be in church this morning. So we do this service in the evenings. 
And, and this family, they were going to Island. When we moved Island Church to, to a Sunday morning 9, 9.15 time, they were like, oh, we can't make it to that. And I said, well, well, we have a Saturday evening service meeting over at the creek. And so they shifted. And they've been very active over there. And, and Dre sends me this message and says, this young man prayed to receive the Lord yesterday. And, and really, had never, never grew up in church. And that's just one of many stories. But that's a, it, it, in case you're wondering what the return on investment is on church campuses, it's a soul. And it's worth it. And, and, and it was unexpected because uh, there have been a number of people teaching and pouring into this, this, this brother. And, 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 but here's the deal. Here's the, I, I, just I haven't had the chance to talk to him, but I know in other stories it seems like this. That God had been preparing him and been drawing him and been pre- presenting the gospel in many different ways. And, and yesterday, in a day that was not unexpected to God, but likely was unexpected to him, was the day that it was all laid out before him and he said yes. Just like some of you have come to church this morning because it's Sunday and it's Christmas season and you're here with family and it's time to, to do that thing we do in the holidays. But in God's divine calendar... He has orchestrated something to present to you today and offering a gift, an unexpected gift. And perhaps some of you today, maybe just one of you today, will finally receive that gift rather than leave it wrapped up under the tree for the remainder of your life. Maybe you'll receive it and open it and and have that unexpected gift, at least from your perspective, of salvation. It's kind of like when a couple is expecting a baby. They're, there's nine months there that they're waiting for that baby to be born. And, and apart from being a scheduled C-section or a scheduled uh, d- delivery at that point, many times the, the date is given and it's a date. It's going to be somewhere between here and here. And, and, and it's a real, not a slow anticipation until it's that day. And then it's like, could it be today? Could it be today? Every time she has a, a burp, it's like, oh, it could be a moment. Could be having a baby right now. And then when the baby is born, it's, it's funny. Isn't that weird how you can know nine months there's going to be a baby, but the moment the baby, it's time to deliver, it's a surprise. It's, it's wow, it's a moment. It's like everything is in neutral, and then everything's in fourth gear immediately. Let's get to the hospital. Let's, you know, whatever. It's the same with spiritual birth, I think, sometimes. God is working. God is preparing. God is drawing. God is pre- creating opportunities. And then that message is finally received. The message is that today should be your day of salvation. Today should be your new birthday. And it's a great surprise when individuals realize you don't have to work your way into heaven. It's a great surprise when individuals realize they can't work their way into heaven. It's even greater surprise when you realize that Christ has called you to himself and he has done all the work. That's the Christmas story. Far too many people like to keep Jesus little bitty and plastic in a manger. We like to pull him out in the Christmas season and storm for the rest of the year. But the Jesus story that we know is a story that didn't begin in Bethlehem. It began before the beginning. came to fruition in Bethlehem, and there's 30, 33 years, and there's a cross at the end of that story, or at least the end of the earthly story. There's a death on a cross. There's a resurrection, and that resurrection is what gives That's our rescue. And we get to join him in that. What an unexpected gift. I pray that today, those of you that have never said yes to him, will say yes to him. That you will receive that gift of salvation this day. And before you leave this morning, that you would meet with one of our counselors and let us know so that we can help you through this journey. 
Let me just say thank you to all of our children's workers. I know parents that are in here right now a bit stressed because they have children with them that may be making a little bit of noise. It only bothers you and the person behind you. It doesn't bother anybody else. We're good. And tomorrow night, it's going to look just like this. And next Sunday, the same thing. So it's good. But as we close our service here today, I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and get in position. We're going to collect our offering. And if you're prepared to give and to worship through the giving of your offering and your tithes today, I would encourage you to do so. I want to thank you for your generosity. Let me go ahead and just say that in addition to your tithes and your offerings and, the, and your gifts to, to our Global Missions Fund, you, you as a church, thank you. You have given over, I think, over $13,000 to the church in Port St. Joe for the hurricane recovery that we've been collecting. And our team will be leaving this week and presenting that remainder of the funds that weren't used for, to purchase um, materials, uh, as we agreed with the church, uh, that'll be gifted to them this Christmas and to the pastor and his wife as a personal gift as well, a portion of that. Thank you, church. As you give today, your gifts are, are going to, to kingdom work. You need to know that. But the greatest gift that, that we speak of is not the gift that goes in the offering plates, it's the gift of Christ's giving us life through him. And so while you give your offering, church members and Christians, those who are not yet believers, maybe today, if you would, why don't you receive the gift of salvation? Why don't you receive it? 